And I just, I love making declarations. It's just kind of a big thing for me, and it's just really powerful. And so, God, I just thank you that you are the king of heaven. Do you guys agree? He is the king of heaven. God, we give you glory and honor in this place. Lord, I ask that you would come and just crush anything that dares to exalt itself above you, God. We exalt you, Jesus, in this place. We exalt you, God. Holy Spirit, we honor you in this place. Just thank you for your presence, God. We honor your presence, God. Bless your name. Amen. So I wanted to talk this morning about something that isn't talked about very often, I find, in the church. And that is the fear of the Lord. Now, the fear of the Lord often gets a bad rap, a bad reputation. And, um, and we've experienced, we've personally experienced um, being involved with groups and churches where um, it's just there's a lot of condemnation that comes through. And, uh, and it's actually very damaging. And so that's not what I'm talking about this morning. I'm talking about the fear of the Lord that Jesus delighted in. That the book of Psalms calls pure. And Proverbs says it's the beginning of wisdom. It comes from a place of being in relationship with God. It's, it comes from a place of knowing him as your father. And knowing the love of God. And... Uh, and not from withdrawing or pulling back, which is what the ungodly fear of the Lord usually results in. People pull back. There's a fear of condemnation. And um, so the true fear of the Lord, it causes people to draw into God, to draw near into God. And so that's what I want to focus on this morning. And I think it's... it's uh, it's a crisis in the church today. The church, um, speaking of the church in North America, just the lack of the fear of the Lord. And uh, we, see, we see people out in the world, um, obviously without a fear of God, and they speak against God because they don't know God. And they'll blaspheme his name. They, um, you know, we've all experienced that and seen that. They'll mock, make fun. Um, but in the church, um, I have seen a serious lack of the fear of the Lord when it comes to the Holy Spirit. And, um, and so, um, in Acts, in the book of Acts, it says, the church became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord. So, it really is a blessing. And, um, and yeah, I love the fear of the Lord. I just, I love the fear of the Lord. The amount of times where... Um, I've just kind of fallen asleep at the wheel in my walk with God. And then he'll, I'll have a dream or something, and he just kind of shows me, like, how close I am to the edge. Or I'm harboring bitterness in my heart. And I just, it just snaps me out of my, um, just my compromise. And, um, and I, it's just, like, in Psalm 23, it says, Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I love, I delight in the fear of the Lord. I wouldn't be standing here if it wasn't for the fear of the Lord. 
And uh, so, yeah, I just wanted to kind of share a bit about that. Um, so what is the fear of the Lord? What is the fear of the Lord? My, my personal definition would be where my awareness of God, and not just awareness, but my, um, my concern, it's still a weak word, um, for God and his thoughts and his ways and his kingdom, it supersedes that of everything else. It supersedes that of other people's opinions, of, of um, things that might happen in the world, you know, stuff going on. Um, yeah, it supersedes all of that, and I live my life according to that. Um, but I do have here um, Vine's Dictionary, if anybody's familiar. Um, they've got a, a cool definition here for the fear of the Lord. It says, to revere and respect God. And I put in there, with emphasis, like it's hard to just use mere words to describe, right? But to revere and respect God. But it's not just a reverence and respect, but a wholesome dread of displeasing him. I love that. A wholesome dread of displeasing him. I think in the book of Psalms it talks about being guided by God's eye. He says, guide me with your eye, Lord. And, and it speaks of, it's all about relationship. It's all about relationship. And, and so when I live my life, if I'm, if I'm lacking the fear of the Lord and, and that relationship, I can live my life according to rules and try to fit into boxes and try to please people, chasing after people and, and being what people need me to be and what people want me to be. And, and, um, and that's totally something that I've personally struggled with huge. And, uh, and feel like God has just brought a lot of victory in, especially recently, but the dread of the Lord, what's that? Yeah, well, yeah, okay, yeah, so, oh, yeah, sorry, that's right. A wholesome dread of displeasing him. And, uh, and so it's, it speaks from that place of relationship where um, I want to make him smile. I'm not doing something because I'm jumping through a hoop is what I was saying. I'm not doing something just to follow, follow the rules, but in my heart, like I'm guided by my heart and my heart connection with God, right? So that wholesome dread of displeasing him. So even if people aren't looking, it doesn't matter, right? I just wanted to go through some, some Bible verses here on the fear of the Lord. I love the word and just uh, proclaiming the word. So I'm just going to go through these here. Psalm, uh, chapter, Psalm 31, it says, How great is your goodness you have stored up for those who fear you. You lavish it on those who come to you for protection, blessing them before the watching world. Psalm 112. Praise the Lord. How blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. Psalm 128. How blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. When you shall eat of the fruit of your hands, you will be happy and it will be well with you. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine within your house, your children like olive plants around your table. Proverbs 10 and 19 say, The fear of the Lord prolongs life. It leads to life so that one may sleep satisfied, untouched by evil. Psalm 33, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him. Right? 
The eyes of the Lord are scanning the earth, looking to and fro to see whose hearts are fully committed to him. And I don't care what anybody else thinks. I want to be that person. I want him to look down on me and say, there is a fully committed heart, wholeheartedly running after me, doesn't let anything get in the way, pursuing God. Psalm 34, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. Psalm 145, he will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He will also hear their cry and save them. Proverbs 22, the reward of humility and the fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. Proverbs 14, those who fear the Lord are secure. He will be a refuge for his children. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. So it doesn't bring death and destruction. If that's kind of been your experience, that was not the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may avoid the snares of death. And then I just couldn't resist here. Um, Revelation 15. Great and marvelous are your deeds, O Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of the nations. Who will not fear you, Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. And then Isaiah 11, um, speaking of Jesus here, says, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The spirit of counsel and of might. The spirit of the knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. And I'll just read the rest because it's awesome. He will, he will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness, so he's not coming under the fear of man. Right, But with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness, the sash around his waist. So um, something else I just wanted to address is sometimes, I don't know about you, sometimes I can kind of just go all the way in a, one direction and then just kind of lose sight of other things. Um, but uh, the thing that came to my mind was that it's kind of like a feast, right? So you've got, um, you've got all these characteristics of God. It's, it's this great big feast in front of us. And we've got like the meat and the potatoes and the, the fruit and the vegetables and the drinks. and the, We've got all these different things, right? And... Um, and we don't have to give up the other things in order to experience the fear of the Lord. We don't have to give up um, the father who embraces the prodigal. We don't have to give up that. We don't have to put aside the love of God and the, the compassion of God in order to in, uh, in, encounter the fear of the Lord. Um, so, yeah, that's an important point. Um, I just say here, there's a time to bow down in reverence and a time to be overwhelmed by his holiness. There's a time to climb up on our daddy's lap and be held. 
And Ecclesiastes, it, it talks about there's a time for everything, a time to live, a time to die. A time. It's like that principle. There's always a time. So I kind of asked the Holy Spirit, what time is it? What, what season is this right now? Um, and I think John, the beloved, um, displays this quite well, where he's, he's Jesus' best friend. And the Bible says he's just like laid up against the chest of Jesus. He's the one that Jesus loved, like best friends. And um, yet when Jesus appears to him, when he's on the Isle of Patmos, he falls at his feet as though he was dead. But Jesus responds, don't be afraid. So that's the ungodly fear of the Lord. Like, don't draw back. Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. Um, I found this quote here. I'll quote the guy Robert Shrimple from the internet. Um, but he articulated it really well. Uh, fear outside of relationship. And he says, There is that fear that is not coupled with love and trust and therefore can only lead to terror and despair. James chapter 2 tells us that the demons believe that there is one God and they shudder in fear. And in Revelations, it talks about when Jesus comes back, because he is coming back, and, um, and where the, the princes and the kings and the rulers of the earth and the generals and the rich and the mighty, um, they're crying out, fall upon us, O rocks. Crush us, O mountain. Hide us from the wrath of the heavenly bridegroom. Who can stand? So those are people outside of relationship with God. So that's fear outside of relationship. And uh, the writer of Hebrews speaks of covenant breakers, apostates, for whom no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Hebrews 10. So, but that's not us. Because we have relationship. So, the purpose of the fear of the Lord is not to drive us away from God, but to draw us near. And uh, in Exodus um, chapter 19 and 20, God instructs Moses to go down to the people and prepare them for my arrival. And there's flashes of lightning, there's a loud blast, there's smoke, and the people are freaking out. And uh, I just love this, this verse here. It says, Moses says to them, Don't be afraid. The Lord has come in this way so that your fear of him would keep you from sinning. And so I find it interesting that he directs the people not to be afraid, but he affirms their fear of the Lord. So don't pull back, but press into God by, keep it, by not stop sinning, right? Because when we sin, it's like it creates distance in our relationship with God. Um, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 Uh, It says, let us draw near, other versions say, go right into or come boldly to the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. So, in Exodus 25, God says to Moses, I just, I love, I just love this. Um, He says, have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary because I'm going to live among them. That's a, like, what? 
Have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. You must build this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly according to the pattern I will show you. And uh, I won't go into great detail about, I mean, there's chapters and chapters um, in in the Old Testament where he just goes into such detail about exact measurements and certain fabrics and certain material and uh, colors and er- just down to every last detail and it just it reflects God's holiness and he's basically saying to the people this is not a backyard project this is not like you know the other day I sailing Gideon I went into uh, went into our backyard and we made a hutch for our rabbit that's going to have babies and I didn't account for certain measurements and it looks kind of healthy but it works the rabbit's happy this is not that. This is a big deal. Like, this is a huge, huge, huge deal that it has, the people have to get this message. This is a big deal. And so there's such, such detail. And um, so we've got the tabernacle, and we've got all these different places. And in the, the very core is the Holy of Holies. And then we've got the Ark of the Covenant sits on the table. And we've got a curtain. And the presence of God dwells in this place. Like, that is crazy. Like this, this is the same God who's the people have seen with, um, with the lightning and the flashes and the, the loud blast of the horn and people are freaking out. This very God, the presence of God is resting right in this place in the Holy of Holies. It's profound. And one day out of the year, one high priest is, is, he goes into this Holy of Holies and he has to go through all these sacrifices and it's the Day of Atonement. They make all these sacrifices for all the people. They have to, and uh, even still, when he goes in, he has to have a rope tied around his ankle and a little bell. So if he goes in, if he's not right before God, he just drops dead in the presence of God. And so nobody else can go in and get him. They have to pull him out. So this is such a huge deal. And he is a holy, holy, powerful, powerful God. He didn't become smaller to come and dwell in this place, in the Holy of Holies. He remained in his greatness and his holiness when he came to dwell in that place. He didn't give us the cute version of himself. He is a holy, holy, holy God. And his presence was dwelling among man. Crazy. So jumping ahead to Jesus. When Jesus dies on the cross, you guys, probably most of you guys um, will recall this, the sky goes dark and the earth shakes. And the curtain that separated everybody, except for the one guy one, one day a year, separates everybody from the presence of God is ripped open. Crazy. In that moment, once again, God did not change. He didn't, it wasn't like this dumbed down version now. This is the holy God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is now out, and he can now come into his people through the righteousness of Jesus. So we're covered by the righteousness of Jesus, but now he has access inside of each one of us. It's a huge, huge thing. It's so powerful. It's so powerful. And, yeah, so, we, so God's presence did not change in that moment. We changed. 
We become the righteousness of God. So we can now enter into his presence, and his presence enters into us. Um, Now I want to do something that I just absolutely love doing more than anything in the whole world, and that is boasting on God. I love to boast on God. So I'm just going to read out some awesome things about God. (laughs) He created the heavens and the earth with his spoken word. In his righteousness, he wiped out the whole earth, except for Noah, when it became filled with violence. He enters into and pursues covenant relationship with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He makes unforeseeable, mind-blowing salvation and provision for his people through Joseph. He raises up Moses to deliver his people out of Egypt after centuries of slavery. He sends plagues so that they can be released. He parts the Red Sea to deliver them. He strikes fear into the hearts of and defeats 135,000 Midianites using Gideon and his 300 men blowing horns and smashing clay jars. He rises up on the shouts and praises of his people and he smashes down the walls of Jericho. Amen. He uses a shepherd boy and takes down a giant who's brought the nation to its knees. He wraps his arms around Eliezer and defeats an entire Philistine army with one man and his sword. A very cool story. He is the boldness of Esther, a young girl who rises up to save her people. He flexes his muscles to Job, boasting how he can make the Leviathan beg for mercy. That's an awesome passage, Job 41. He covers Daniel with his presence in the lion's den. He visits Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire. He splits the trees with his voice, yet he speaks with a whisper. Mountains melt like wax in his presence, yet he prophesies through a donkey. He is the God of heaven and earth, worthy of highest praise. He comes into the world as an infant born in a feeding trough. Everything under heaven is his. His unfailing love is better than life itself. He is the hope of everyone on the earth. He formed mountains by his power. He quiets the raging oceans, and he silences the shouting of the nations. He keeps every promise forever. He gives justice to the oppressed. He frees the prisoners. He lifts up those who are weighed down. The Lord helps the fallen and is close to all who call on him. His understanding is beyond comprehension. He is all-powerful. He takes no delight in human might. And he's closer than a brother. People everywhere fear him. And all who are wise show him reverence. He holds the heart of the king in his hand. He has ordained praise from infants and children. He is most worthy of all praise. No one can measure his greatness. His deeds are awe-inspiring. His people proclaim his greatness and sing with joy of his righteousness. He is graciousness. He is gracious and compassionate. He is slow to anger and rich in love. He showers compassion on all his creation. All his works speak of the glory of his kingdom. 
about the majesty and the glory of his reign. You guys with me? His kingdom is everlasting. His unfailing love lasts forever. His faithfulness reaches to the clouds. The whole earth is filled with the glory of the Lord. And all his creation shouts his praise. All of his ways are holy. There is none as mighty as him. He redeems his people in his strength. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. His love and truth go before him. And he is the glorious strength of his people. So when this God comes into this room with his presence, that's a big deal. That is a big deal. Every single time, if it happens every day, every single time, it's a big deal. It's a huge deal. And we must never, ever let anything be exalted above him. We must never, ever, ever, ever put time, put him in a box, put what people think, fear of man. We're exalting fear of man above the fear of the Lord. We don't want to offend somebody. So God, you're just, you know, I know you understand because you're kind. Like we don't, in the Old Testament, they brought their best sacrifice, right? Their best sacrifice. And sometimes I think we, we just say, well, the Holy Spirit's gracious and he'll, he'll take what we bring him. And then we're bringing him spotted lambs or ones with deformities, right? So it's just a passion on my heart. Just that, yeah, that God has free reign in his church. And that we come for him. We gather. We rally around. As a community, we rally around the living God. We don't rally around other people. right? We don't rally around a program and stuff. We're rallying around the living God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who has not changed, who does not change, who is the same. So I just, I was just going to play a song and just kind of allow people some time to just, I don't know, I don't know, just talk to the Lord and just, um, yeah, whatever he's putting on your heart to do. So I'll play this. 